Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. I read a couple things this week that I that kind of sparked my interest that I I liked that maybe I hadn't seen in the way in this way before. Maybe I'd read over them quickly, maybe dozens of times, but um, it sparked something in me. And I wanted to talk about some of our roots in this life and even the war of the trees, the two trees, the, the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, the, the contrast, Jesus being this tree of life, you know, the one tree that beckons, calls you home, calls you forgiven, uh, you are loved, its fruit is good, you're empowered. Then there's the other tree where the voice that comes from it is that... Um, there's more for you to do before you're accepted. You're flawed. And it's a voice, a tree of pressure. And um, I think we can trace that all the way back to Genesis, right? To the fall of mankind. And, and um, the voice that came from that tree that so many people, even who walk in the Christian life, feel the pressures of not being enough, of not doing enough, of maybe not working enough. And it's the war of walking in the Spirit, this new, this, this reality of Christian living. And, and in, this, in this message today, I want to talk about, you know, the entrance, the fall, if you will, in the Garden of Eden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where the serpent literally comes, that voice, to convince mankind, Adam and Eve, that they are missing something, that God is holding something back from them, and that they are not who they thought they were, right? The, you can call it the oldest trick in the book, if you want, because it kind of is, but it's like, do this, eat this fruit, and then you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And it's like this lie that was, that was given to them that they were not like him and he was holding something back, when in reality, they were the ones created in his image with the mandate to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Yeah, so Eden was heaven on the earth. And man walked in the cool of the day, or the spirit is what that Hebrew word really means. And so they walked and talked and fellowshiped with God in Eden and had a mandate to stretch Eden over the entire world. Because obviously there was some darkness that was in the world because that word there in Hebrew, in Hebrew to subdue is, is like a militant term. Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth subdue the rest of the world. And also, we know that the world wasn't heaven, completely covered with heaven because that serpent was walking around down there, talking his, talking his, uh, spewing his poison. And so do this and then you'll be like God, you know, work to attain who you already are. We know the story that man chose the fruit of, of good and evil. You know, this, this, um, this, Law, this religion, the knowledge of what good and evil was, this list, because he thought it would be empowered, it would cause him to be empowered, and it changed him, just like what we teach the kids, right? It changed them down to the very DNA, if you could put it that way. It changed who they were. There was a veil set between realms, and the three things that happened, at least that I have listed, just to get this intro going, one was they were out of that garden walk. They used to walk in the Spirit with God in this relational connection to Him, and now they were kicked out of that. Another thing that happened um, is that their hearts were hardened. 
you know, they became deficient in a way they hadn't been before. The law literally came, the knowledge of good and evil, that poison, that deception was, that it caused their hearts to be like the hearts of stone. And um, so that's uh, not good. The next thing is um, it, it opened the door to all the darkness that is now in the world. You know, man had the keys. They had the, you know, when Satan comes and he's accosting Jesus in the wilderness and, and, he, and he takes him, and he says, all the kingdoms of the world I have and, I, and I'll give them to you if you'll just bow to me. Well, he wasn't lying. The keys to the kingdoms of the world had been given over to him by Adam who actually chose to obey his voice. And so, um, of course, Jesus didn't fall for it. But, you know, all of the darkness, the sickness, the death, the depression, the anger, the rage, everything that came into the lineage of man that was not there previously came in through that fruit. You know, and it shut heaven out of earth. And we, we, we view it sometimes as, as God kicking man out of Eden, but in reality, man's decisions severed heaven from the earth. And so we have this entire Old Testament where Heaven only touched earth in the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple that was rebuilt, you know, and only in the Holy of Holies it would come in once a year. God's presence would fill that place. And, and the Jews believed, and rightfully so, that, that was the only place. It was like a stargate portal where heaven and earth still overlapped and met. And it only happened through all their religious rituals. But we know that God had a plan. And that was Jesus. And Jesus comes and he manifests the reality of the tree of life. Not only that, we know that he took all darkness upon himself and he literally broke the curse forever. You know, he severed us from it. And he gave us the opportunity to step out of everything we inherited from darkness, which is never ours to inherit, everything from the fall. And he says, like in Luke 24, 47, when he comes back and he talks to his disciples and their minds are blown because, oh my gosh, you're alive. And he says, this stuff had to have happened to me so that the repentance and remission of sins could be preached in my name throughout the entire world. And this mentality of repentance, which was literally to be able to make a change of mind and turn away from that old man and that old nature. And that the remission of sins, which means literally the word remission is like to, to, to take the penalty of sin, everything that came in through that fall, through that tree's poison that has a right to you into your very DNA and being, it will no longer have a right to you. And this is the, this is the message of the gospel which Jesus comes and preaches. But, um, I mean, we, we know these things because he comes and this new covenant reality happens to where he, he, he breathes on his disciples, he creates new life, and then he pours a spirit out over the entire world. So the very thing that was lost there in the fall where, where Adam became carnal, where he had used to walk with God in the spirit and have fellowship with him, all the time. Now we have something even better than that, but it's completely and totally restored because of what Jesus does. Not only that, he takes that heart of stone that set in that hardness of heart, that incapability to truly love, to be self-focused and selfish, and he replaces that with a heart of flesh. That's your like Ezekiel 36, 26, where he says, I'm, I'm going to put my spirit upon you, I'm going to cleanse you of your sins, and I'm going to take the heart of stone out of your chest, and I'm going to put a heart of flesh in it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just like, you're not. in other words, you're not going to need the, the list, the law of rules of, and regulations of what's right and what's wrong. Your heart won't be deficient anymore, and you'll be led by my spirit into all truth. It's this brilliant reversal of what he did. You know? Can you think we had to have a list that said don't kill? 
You know what I mean? Don't steal. You have to have that written down. Well, if it's not, people will do it. Well, yeah, people with a deficient heart, but Jesus came to do something totally different. You know? And um, he was changing the heart. Remember the, the Pharisees tried to corner Jesus right where John had been arrested. John the Baptist. Because he came against King Herod's decision to take his brother's wife. And, and so they tried to trap Jesus into the divorce talks. And Jesus, you know, well, Moses said, Give us a, we can do a certificate of divorce. He's like, yeah, he said that because of the hardness of your heart. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, it's just as bad. Because from the, from the beginning, it was not so. And a lot of times people have taken that, that thought to be like, well, Jesus came to make things even harder than the law. It's like, no, he didn't come to make it harder than the law. He said, Moses gave it to you because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning, it wasn't like that because your heart wasn't that way. Yeah. You didn't need those rules and regulations. You didn't need an out because your heart was made to love and not to be selfish. And see, Jesus wasn't coming to make things harder and impose more laws. He was coming to bring complete and total freedom, put his spirit on the inside of us and lead us into all truth. Amen. You know, it's a completely different game. We know he breathes his last breath, Matthew 27, 51, Jesus does, yeah. And the earthquakes, rocks split, graves are open, dead people pop out, you know, for some time and time and a half or whatever it was, you know what I mean? And the veil, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. What is that? Like where heaven had been kept out of the earth, it was torn back open. So Jesus comes and he, do, he undoes everything that happened in the fall. It's a complete and total reversal. It's basic, but it's so good for us to fully understand and go over many times because it's like, this is, this is our heritage. And this is the inheritance of the sons and daughters of the kingdom who are no longer working and feeling these pressures. Am I doing enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I read enough? You know, is there some secret sin that I'm in that I don't know that I'm in? You know, you, you wouldn't, it's crazy how many people deal with that. You know, they feel like, is there something I'm missing that I'm not doing? <laughs> it's like, hey, you, you know when your heart violates love and you've done something that you need to repent of. You know, unless your heart is so stoned that you're totally deficient and you need a rule book and somebody to come. You, you think about Yom Kippur and you think about the offerings of the Old Testament. It was like they had an ignorance offering every year. Which means the stuff you did that you didn't know you did got covered once a year before God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's the old covenant, right? And some people are like, man, I miss those days. I wouldn't have to worry if I'm doing something bad that I don't know that I'm doing. <laughs> and it's just like, it's such a religious pressure that people carry in this life. And it's just like, and it's this, this mentality of like, hey, there's, there's been such a higher offering made for you. Yeah. One that doesn't have to be made yearly, right? And it's the blood of God himself, of Jesus, you know? And so we don't have to carry this pressure and listen to the voice that's coming out of that tree. Well, you know, you think you're walking good, but there's probably a few things you're not doing right. Like, really? Let me go self-introspect and scan myself for an hour and focus on what I'm not, make sure if there's anything that I haven't read enough or done enough. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, man. There is a place where Jesus did say, if you go to leave your gift on the altar, but you realize your brother has something against you, you go make it right to him first and then come back and give your gift. But it's one of those things, if you know you've wronged somebody, then yeah, make it right. 
but walking around on spiritual eggshells thinking, I, I don't think I've done anything wrong, but I just, just want to make sure, God, you know, coming to prayer, you know, like Hebrews 10, it says, come boldly before the throne of grace, like we can always come before him, but coming to him and like having to say a bunch of Hail Marys and like, all right, I think I can pray for you right now. I haven't, I read two chapters. Is it okay if I ask you some questions? You know, I'm saying this, this mentality God is wanting to be rid of in his body. And it's not new. It's ancient. It is the oldest trick in the book. See, in Antioch, um, I was reading Acts 13 this week, and not necessarily for the message, but maybe some other stuff, but I was reading it, and I, and I feel something the Apostle Paul says in this story of Antioch, of, of, of this message that he gives, which he was a guest speaker, which is it's hilarious how this type of stuff would happen. You know, Peter just gets the green light to preach the gospel to Gentiles and realizes, hey, God's not racist like us. You know, it's for everybody, you know, <laughs> imagine that, you know, the hardness of heart is just is constantly becoming softer and softer. And, um, you know, Paul is actually traveling around this apostle, right? And, and him and one of his partners is there and they get invited. They go to a, a synagogue in Antioch, right? And basically they give the message or they read the scrolls or whatever. And then they turn to them, which this is their, their first mistake. You know, it's not a mistake. It was of the Lord, but it was the first mistake is those guys, the Jewish guys. Um, after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, hey, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation, please, please come and speak it. They recognized Paul. They recognized Saul or whatever. And, and I don't think they had any clue what he was going to load up and do, so, which is great, which is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like me getting invited to like, a, I don't know, a Jehovah Witness church or something. And then like, all right. And somebody saying, hey, you want the floor for a while? And I'm like, okay. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so funny. Like, you guys got some things wrong, but I'm going to go, you know, bull in a china shop, you know. And so anyhow, so the Apostle Paul gets up there and he starts, men and brethren, you know, and he tells the story. And he starts talking about in the old days and, he, and he's kind of giving the... He kind of tiptoes around it, and in the, in the years of Samuel the prophet, and then, you know, Saul was the first king, and then there was David, and, and then all of a sudden, but there was a seed born to David that was promised, and then he just turns right into the Jesus thing, you know what I mean? Goes right for it. These guys weren't not expecting it, and, um, but he, he literally comes with that reality and talks about Jesus and how he was resurrected from the dead, and people saw him many days after several different times, and and how this stuff was written in the Torah and the Law and the Prophets and, and all this stuff. And he closes it up. As he's, as he's closing it up, he says in, in Acts 13, 38, and 39, which is kind of, kind of a picture to me of these two trees, the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things that they could not have been justified by the law of Moses. And it's great. It's just, it's just like, hey, the law and this religious system, it has never worked to free you from the guilt and shame. You've, you've come under it to such a degree um, that every year you're reminded of it. You've taken it on as your identity as a sinner, as many Christians do to this day with poor theology. And they think that's who they are and that they are deficient. And this is why this is going on. And he's literally saying, hey, like through him, it's preached the forgiveness of sins, like this, this repentance and remission, this thing that Jesus taught them to do. And, um, and everyone who believes is justified before him. It's just like all you have to do is come into agreement with it. And it's your reality. 
We call this faith. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the fruit of this peace and this reality, this, uh, you know, what it is, dude, is... <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but the fruit of what it is, man, is, is um, you know, is, is peace and it's joy. And it's just like, and he's trying to say like, hey, what you've had has never worked and it doesn't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so he says that. And then so then he, then he gears back up. And what ends up happening is like the people were majorly stirred. But the Gentiles that came there afterwards begged them, hey, would you guys please come back and teach us in the next Sabbath? Would you guys please come back? And so this, you know, there was a synagogue in every, every little city in town where there was at least 12 people that could meet. That's kind of how they did it. And this place full of Gentiles, but they got asked back. So it says a week later when they come back, it was so incredibly big and it was so popping. It was like as if the whole entire city was there. So something, something happened, you know? And so every, everyone shows up and, uh, you know, and then, um, but, which is good because the, the leaders of the synagogue allowed them to come back. But then when they saw the massive crowds and how popping it was, they got really um, envious, it says. And they were, they were opposing them and all these things in, in Acts 13, 45. But then in verse 46, it says, Then Paul and Barnabas grew, grew bold when, when the religious leaders of the Jewish community there tried to oppose what they were saying. And they said this interesting statement, said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we're going to return to the Gentiles. For the Lord's commanded us, I've set you a light to the Gentiles. And so this is just starting to happen. Peter's just given the green light to go into, you know, Gentile regions and do this stuff. They're already doing it and seeing incredible fruit. And in verse 48, it says something that has become very controversial. But it says, now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of God. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Okay. Whoa. So, as many as, as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And that's, that's interesting. And I know a Calvinist will, will, will love to take that in a context they think and, and act like God is very inclusive. But I really love the Aramaic as actually dug into that translation. It says, those who believed that they were destined to receive eternal life received the message. The Gentiles who believed they were destined to receive eternal life received the message. It's like the people that sparked in their heart, like, and they knew, like, wait a second, this is for us. Because they had faith, they grabbed onto it. And it's very evident the way that's written. And it's very evident the way other things like Second Timothy, you know, that God desires all men to be saved and all these things, that it's not to be taken out of context. But also, if you even back up two verses before in verse 46, when, when, G, when, Paul was talking to the Jews, since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. And so here's, here's a major root that's happening because of that tree. Those who listen to the voice of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you reject it not because you don't believe it or you don't have faith. It's because you actually don't even see yourself as worthy of accepting it. The shame and the, the root of shame and condemnation that you carry in yourself going around this religious system year by year, having your, th- your sins atoned for and Yom Kippur and all these things. It's like it's, you, you've been geared up in such a way that you don't have enough even grace for your own self. You disqualify yourself from even actually accepting it. Whereas 
those who believed that they were destined to receive it, they gladly heard the message. And there's these two verses that very much complement each other. And it's right after he says this in verse 39, everyone who believes is justified from all things. It's like all that it takes, this is reality. Like it says in Hebrews 10, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. It's just like, wait a second. He's perfected forever those who are being. It's, in other words, it's complete and finished and given to us. And all we must do is actually choose to accept it and believe it and walk it out. And it becomes a part of us. This is the renewing of the mind. And so I, I was reading this this week and, you know, uh, didn't really know how well it would translate here. But it was just like this mentality of these two receptions to the same exact message. And the ones who had been so groomed by that tree of knowledge had such a mentality of like, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of this atonement constantly that this atonement you're talking about, there's no way that I could actually be accepted of it. And it's a mentality that actually keeps people squashed and keeps people going around the, the, the same mountain over and over and over again, never, never bearing fruit, never actually coming into this reality that like, hey, he's actually paid for it all and I can walk in freedom. And not only that, there's empowerment in this thing. You know, there's, there's freedom in this life. It's a completely different game. And, you know, so they continue to go around and speak these things. They have incredible results in Acts 14. He goes around and he's, they're preaching this grace that is so incredibly controversial, y'all. And it still kind of is. Um, that, like, no, it's like the voice of the serpent. No, you must do this and then you'll be like God. And they're having such incredible, impactful, powerful results everywhere they go because God confirms their message by power. You know, and it's like this message of like repent and turn so that God will actually forgive you and accept you is changing to God forgives you and he accepts you and he loves you. So you might as well turn and come this way. Don't kick against the goats. You know, the apostle Paul, who himself literally said when it when it pleased him, when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. And, and, you know, we're having a, a blowing of the mind of like, what do you mean to reveal his son in you? Like, you haven't said the sinner's prayer. You haven't been baptized. You haven't been baptized in the spirit after that. And then you haven't been back to ministry school yet. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he revealed his son in me. Why are you kicking against the goads? Saul, it's, it's too late for you. I've already covered you. And you're playing for the wrong team. You know, it's like, whoa, dude. You and me and I'm in you. Saul was engulfed. Enveloped, really. That's what the word means. Anyhow, they literally come back to Antioch after, a long, after these trips, and they, so many people started to become Christians, you know what I'm saying? That they just started to, um, you know, it just started to explode uh, there. And so the church is really popping, and they're coming back to it. But then we find Acts 15, there was people that came in with the, with the voice of that snake. And he was trying to convince everybody to be... Um, circumcised like hey this this new christianity thing is cool and all that but you still have to you still have to do certain parts of the law so of course paul and barnabas are just like absolutely not we're that that's not part of that's not part of this thing you're trying to lay a burden on on the church that god doesn't lay upon it like we are completely and totally separate from the the knowledge of good and evil like we don't live by that anymore 
And it results in this huge contention that becomes a letter to the entire church that says, hey, by the way, there isn't any more rules and regulations on you. You don't have to be circumcised. You just have to abstain from a few things, namely sexual fornication, perversion, drinking things with blood that's still in it. You know, minus that, you're, you're good. And it's like the early Christians rejoice when they hear the message, but this, this reality of this pressure that people even carry to this day in Christianity of like, we're not doing enough, we're not being enough, we're not jumping through enough hoops. It's just like, hey, the hoop was jumped through. And he did a swan dive cannonball through it, Jesus did, and destroyed the hoop. And now we're in him and he's in us. You know? And so we're not deficient anymore. Well, we have to do this, or we have to keep these laws, or we have to keep these rules and regulations. What, what? You mean you don't meet on Saturdays instead of Sundays? I mean, Sunday's the Lord's Day. You should meet on Fridays. What? You know, we, we have all these gears that we're like, and it's all the voice of the serpent that's constantly trying to get back into those who are walking with freedom and the freedom of the gospel. And this guy, Saul, is like probably his, he's probably just like wanting to pull his hair out. Just like, are you guys kidding me? Like, I used to be you. I persecuted everybody about the rules, man. I'm telling you, dude. Like, I was a killer. And I'm trying to tell you, you know. And so if you read through the Bible, these, these, these lessons, these, these letters, like, like Galatians, where they are literally just talking about not being religious. And what it means to walk in the Spirit. And not, not living a life that's based on your, the, work, the merit of your own works. And being right with God and being afraid of Him but instead walking with the peace and freedom that is walking in the Spirit and actually living Christianity, living the kingdom out into the world. Amen. And everything about it's freedom. Amen. And he's, granted, he has to say certain things, like, a, like Galatians 5, it says, you know, basically, you've been called to liberty, don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Because when you say things like this, that's, you know, Galatians 5.13. When you say some things like, I don't know, say that there's no, much, there's no more sin in the, new, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. Like that right there is going to instantly trigger a lot of people. Like scare them. Like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, and it's like, no, it, it means that sin is no longer defined in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. It's, not a, it's no longer a list of rules and regulations that you have to define now, that Ezekiel 36, 26, is like you've been given a heart of flesh, the Spirit of God who's going to lead you into all truth. And like it says in James 4, 17, it says like, to him who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So then a sin is a violation when, you're, when you have the ability to follow the Lord in a thing and you actually change your mind, I want to go my direction for whatever reason. Well, yeah, well then to that person, that is a sin and that could be different for everybody else. Super controversial in the world today. I don't know why, but I do know why, because it was controversial back then. This was the message they were preaching, and they're, I'm in, I feel like I'm in pretty good company, because it's like, hey, and people are like, well, yeah, but if you don't list what sins are, and tell people they can't drink a beer, or watch rated R movies, or what, you know, whatever you call a sin is, then people are just going to go, and they're just going to be sinners. And it's just like, well, well that's, that's just not the way the Bible does it. You know what I mean? Paul literally goes in to say in Galatians 5, 16, he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. It's not try not to fulfill the lust of your flesh. Because then you're working and you're trying 
And usually you'll mess up if that's the only crutch you have is in your own strength. I'm not going to watch ESPN. I'm not going to watch. Eventually you're going to like, we're going to see the NBA highlights. Eventually, it's going to hit you. If you're doing it in your own strength and you're not doing a relationship to the Lord, there's no, there's no transformation of the heart. There's no connection to him, and it's not going to work. Even if you're David Goggins, you're just like, I'm not going to do it. Eventually, the flesh cracks. But he's not saying, walk in the, don't walk in the flesh. You know, He's saying, walk in the spirit. Remember that thing that Adam used to have in the garden with God. Walk with him. The relationship, the relational connection with God, He's in you. It never, you're never separate. So walk with Him. What did He say? John 16, like, John 14 and 16, all these things about the Holy Spirit. When He comes, He's going to lead you into all truth. Not He's going to lead you away from dark things. It's like He's going to lead you into all truth. There's an ability to follow Him in all things and in our heart, and He'll lead us into the wholeness that we're called to walk in. You know? It was like, no, we got to put some regulations. we got to scare them, tell them they're going to hell. And it's like, you know, I remember, golly, I went to a youth group one time. I went to youth, two youth group meetings my whole um, high school, four years in high school, two of them. One of them, somebody took me. I didn't, didn't expect that's where we're going, and, and, he, and he was driving, so I had to go. And the other one, I got there because there was a, there was a basketball tournament, and it was um, – I don't, I don't think they were Latter-day Saints, but it was some other little, it was some other Seventh-day Adventist or something. But they had this huge basketball tournament in Tennessee. And, and in order to play in, in, in the one in Florida and qualify for the, for the team that was going to go to Tennessee, you had to be a part of their youth group. So I had to actually go to the youth group one time. So they said, all right, he can be on our team and then make for Tennessee. It was really just, I was just trying to just work the system, you know. But man, that preacher saw me come in there and he, and he taught Galatians 5 and I remember it. Because I wasn't, I didn't live right, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I wasn't a Christian. And, and he taught it about, if you do, and he gave this list that we see in, in Galatians 5. The works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, jealousies, outbursts, all these things. And, 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 and then he, he hit it and it practically looked me dead in the eyes because I was the oddball there. He was trying to save me, I guess. He, was, he thought he was doing something good. But, um, but he says, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, verse 21. And it was like an altar call, like, hey, like I know you're a rotten little son of a gun, and if you practice any of these things, which I'm pretty sure you probably are, which I was, um, you're going to go to hell. And that was the loud and clear message. And so I, you know, I kind of tensed up, and you know, I, didn't, I didn't raise my hand or anything, but I was stressed out about it, and then you know, I went to the tournament and I made the team, whatever, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it's like, we've even taken the New Testament and stuff like that, and we've made it like the fruits of the, but the fruits of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and, you know, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these, there's no law. You have this, you have these two lists that we can take and we can make the tree of knowledge and the tree of life, and this one you go to hell and this one you don't. And it's like, we've actually switched it over and that's really just the tree of knowledge because one's the knowledge of good and one's the knowledge of evil and this is your new rule book and um when i was looking at this and i was thinking about that this week and i was just thinking about how sin has actually been destroyed separation was a lie colossians 1 says it was actually in our minds you know what i'm saying and god is with us and he's covered us and but like paul's saying hey it's not a license to live 
in these ways at all whatsoever. Because I'm, you, if you know me, know me, you know I don't play that way. Um, but there's something that we're missing that is the power of this relational connection and this covenant that causes us to walk in that heart of flesh with a sensitivity to God and in the spirit. And it causes us to walk away from that other side, which is the works of the flesh. Because, I, you, know, I, 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 you know, we think of it like this is, these are not sins. These are not, Paul's not saying these are the sins, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, and, you know, adultery, uncleanness, lewdness, perversion is what it's talking about. We know that that stuff is dark. But we're not going back to the law, to the place where we need to define things as sins for people who are deficient. And the Apostle Paul's not doing that. He says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. It's like, this is a new game. This is a whole new religion. This is a new way of living, you know? And um, then he goes, now the works of the flesh are evident. He doesn't say sin. He doesn't say the fruits of the flesh. He says the works of the flesh. Remember the snake's voice. Do this and then you'll be like God. It's a work. Do something in order to be approved. He's saying the works of the flesh are we don't need adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. That's actually um, the word we get pharmacy from. So that's talking about drug use. Um, hatred, contentions, jealousies, um, outbursts of wrath. Did anybody need to know that an outburst of wrath and rage <laughs> or heresy was sin? No. These are the works of the flesh. Envy, murders. So murder is bad? Yes. Drunkenness, revelries of the like, they're, they're obvious. People that practice those things aren't in their inheritance, is what he's saying. Like the kingdom, the, the spiritual walk, this is our true inheritance that, that the tree of life, our family tree, has given us to walk in. But the fruit of the Spirit is the love, the joy, the joy peace, patience, long-suffering. You know, all these different things. It's like fruit is evidence that you are in who you are in. You know, the fruit isn't, the orange isn't, isn't the evidence, you know, the orange is evidence that that tree is an orange tree. And he's saying, if you have this fruit in your life, it's evidence that you are abiding in the Lord Jesus. And that is your inheritance. You're inheriting the kingdom of God. This is our father who are in heaven. It's the family business. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be on earth as it is in heaven. This is, this is the family business, the inheritance that we're called to walk in. Every bit of it's ours. And just like what he's saying in the other side, the works of the flesh, these things are not your inheritance. You do not inherit the kingdom of God in these things. And if you look through those things, all of them are evident. All of those are works to try to, to, to counterfeit, lay hold of the fruits of the Spirit. Just take the first three, love, joy, and peace, and then, and then look at the works of the flesh, which just list all the perverted things that are in there the adulteries and all those things. All of them counterfeit for love and acceptance and wholeness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just think of um, that word sorcery, the pharm pharm pharmakeia, pharmakeos, you know. It, it's, it's why do people use drugs? 
they're coping, they're trying to feel, they're trying to especially, I mean, even right now, peace. I mean, Xanax or whatever else, you know, Adderall, all these things that people take, all of it is a grasp to actually have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the peace and joy of the kingdom. Like drunkenness and joy, which one is which? You know what I'm saying? Well, do people that get drunk have a fun time and act, have some joy? In their, you know what I'm saying? Yes, it's a counterfeit, fleeting version of the joy that is found in your actual inheritance. You know? And the Apostle Paul is like listing these things and he's saying, hey, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Like, let's live this life and actually by the fruit of your own heart. Like, that's another thing. There's no coping or crutch in this walk when we go through things. And every one, every bit of all the fruit of the flesh is, is ways that we can use to cope with the lack of the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in relational connection to Him. And it's like, dude, like, you, don't, you don't need any of these to be okay. All of, if you're using these to be okay, it's a sign that you're not okay, but I have good news for you. Like, there's wholeness and healing in this relational connection to God. You know? And it's not like, oh, you're a sinner and you've taken these things on. It's like, no, we've taken the bait that we must do this in order to have those things. But it's not true. There's something powerful in the new covenant walk. And it is the wholeness that is Christianity. And it's the repentance and the remission, the, 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 the ability to have a mind change and turn away from something and follow him. Right? And then... The ability to release forgiveness and have wholeness come from the healing of God that He puts in your heart, yeah. you know, and that's what we're that's what we're talking about. Um, it's funny. It's like when I counsel people, which I do a lot, and I've done a lot lately. Um, but it's just like people going through pain and stuff. People going through whatever it is, man. Or maybe it's an addiction, or maybe it's something they're leaning on that's dark, or whatever it is. So often that kind of stuff comes to me when, they, when people feel safe. And, and it's a lot because it's what I, you know, kind of what I do, right? But I, I never focus on it, you know. There's a lot of things people do to self-medicate themselves instead of addressing the issue and becoming whole in Christ, you know what I'm saying? Which is that is the way. And we can go to that and we can go to the source. And, and that's always the point. But the point is like my question for people is always like, what is the Lord speaking to you? What is he leading you into? It's like more than actually doing the psychology, getting to roots and all that stuff, which happens and it comes. Um, but more important than that is people actually connecting to the Lord and following through on whatever he's actually speaking. It's just a completely different game. It's just like that. Um, what James 4 is just like, he who knows the good he ought to do and does not to him, it is a sin. But it's like, in other words, like it's easy to know the good or follow through of what we're called to do. It's like, hey, connect to God and walk out what he's saying. Well, how am I going to stop doing this? This sin is manifesting in my life, this work of the flesh. I keep going back to it. And it's like, I understand. One thing is to come into light like, like what you're doing and get into the root. But another thing that maybe even seems obscure sometimes or oblique, it's like, yo, connect to the Lord's voice and actually do what he's calling you to do. Be where he's calling you to be. Connect how he's calling you to connect. Disconnect how he's calling you to disconnect, you know? And it's just like, hey, choose to walk in the spirit and then you won't fulfill those lusts of the flesh. But we, 
We try to read Brene Brown or whoever, Jordan Peterson, which I like those people, they're fine, I'm just saying. We try to and figure out and dig deep, and a lot of times the digging comes of like, wait a second, of knowing him, following him, and following through. People that don't follow through in the Christian walk, they, have the, they are the ones that go around the mountains so many more times than ever is needed because they won't put one foot before the other and actually just walk out the simplistic, simple instructions that he gives that he's very willing and ready to give. And so often it's so much more practical walking in the Spirit is coming to that Psalm 23 and saying, yo, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to be in want. I'm going to just follow him in whatever he shows me. Because if you come to Christianity and it's, it's real at all, you know, it's the fact that God's going to talk to you. That's just, there's just no getting around it. You've heard me do that so many times. But, you know, it's, it's like that's, that's the reality for us. And the way out of the things that are ailing us a lot of times, or even the, the dark things that people are having trouble cyclically, cyclically going back to, is actually choosing to follow through with Him and listen to His voice, lock onto it, and commit to it. Make it happen and follow him in it. And you'll find yourselves walking out the healing that is the shepherd's walk. You know, we're like, no, come sit down and pay attention to me and dig deep with me. And God's like, hey, we're moving forward. I don't see you that way. You're not a pervert. I don't see you as that. That's not who you are. Why don't you just follow me? You know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, hope you know what you're doing. He actually does, man. He actually does. I think that's the message for the day. Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We can't put the cart before the horse and try not to do things. We have to understand that we're empowered in all things and also that the Lord's our actual shepherd. And so everything that we're dealing with, even in this life, we can use, choose to, to lock into his voice. And that manna that's the daily bread of heaven causes the kingdom of heaven to come in and through us. Um, the voice of the serpent is the lie. The voice of the, the, the knowledge of good and evil, as simple and as kind of teachy as some of these type of messages kind of are, it's something that the simplicity of devotion to Christ is everything for us, right? And um, sometimes it's, it's one of those things where we'll start to learn to recognize, like Jesus said in John 10, like, my sheep know me, they know my voice, they follow me, and the stranger's voice, they won't follow at all. And that's us. And that's really what Christian maturity looks like. It's simple, it's basic, but it's what we're called to.